The announcements, as you will find in your um, worship folder, tomorrow the finance team will meet at 4.30 and the worship team will meet following that at 6 o'clock here at the, at the church house. Uh, Tuesday at noon, the Joy Fellowship will, um, the Joy Lunch will um, gather and you have a guest speaker and I can't remember who it is. Mark Weaver, thank you. Um, he's great. You all need to come hear that. Next Saturday is the beginning of the um, Habitat Build. We are part of that Apostles Build. Our church is joining a variety of other churches and organizations to build the next Habitat House, which, as you can see in your worship bulletin, is at 511 Plum Street. We will begin at 8 a.m. and um, work for the better part of the morning anyway, um, if not into the afternoon. So you'll want to join us next Saturday at 8 o'clock. Next Sunday, we, we are shifting one of our Bible study classes, the college class. Instead of meeting during the regular Bible study time, they are shifting to meet after worship. Um, they are going to gather for lunch to either eat here or go somebody else's house. That will be decided by next Sunday. And then for uh, 30 to 45 minutes of Bible study. This is for college students. So if you are in that category, if you all are in that category, um, this is for y'all. Um, how fun to do that. You don't even have to get up early to do that. That's the funnest part. Let me, let me say happy Mother's Day to those of you who are mothers. Let me say happy Mother's Day to those of you who do motherly things. Um, I, yes. um, I tell folks, I, I do not have children of my body, but I have children of my heart. So those of you who have children of your body and children of your heart, happy Mother's Day. Um, let's greet each other uh, and let us stand and greet each other again during this uh, flu season. If you would rather bump elbows or give each other air kisses or however you want to do that, you're welcome to do that. But let's greet each other this morning as let's stand and, and uh, greet each other in Jesus' name. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you, I want to see you, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you, I want to see you. Your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. 
heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. See you high lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. We are holy, holy, holy. We cry holy, holy, holy. I want to see.
made a commitment to Christ. And this is a wonderful time. It is a wonderful symbol of our relationship with Christ. Because in Christ, we, have, we are cleansed of our sins. And in Christ, we are buried in our sins and resurrected to a new life. And that's what baptism represents. It represents a cleansing. It represents a burial. Indeed, as, as one is plunged beneath the water, it is as if one is buried to an old way of life. But then, you notice we don't keep them under the water. We bring them up. And that is a resurrection to a new life. God has come into our lives. Christ has saved us from our sins and given us this new life. And so we celebrate this new life in two today in this ordinance of baptism. This is my sister, Sarah Finkson. She has made a commitment to Jesus Christ. She has accepted the love of God into her heart, and she has come to be united with Christ and with his church through baptism. accepted the Lord Jesus as his Savior. He has leaned upon him for forgiveness of sins, and he has committed his life to follow after him from this day forward. And because of this profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hey boys and girls, come on down. This is a very special Sunday. And what is it that we're celebrating today? Right, and I hope you all have already been very good to your mothers today and wished them a happy Mother's Day, have you? 
You know, our mothers are one of, that's just one of our most important people in our lives. And no matter how old you get to be, your mother always can tell you what to do and can tell you when you've done something wrong and can correct you. Isn't that right? Mothers kind of help keep us straight. Uh, several years ago, my mother went to be with Jesus. But I still visit with my mother every day because I have my mother right here in my heart. And see, I know that's where your mother is too, and I just want you to know that there's many of us out here uh, in the congregation today that don't actually have our mothers here, but they're very much here in spirit. And you know, my mother still, I can feel her tell me when I'm doing something I shouldn't do, and I can feel her being proud of me when I do something that she would like for me to do. So that's important to know that your mom is going to always, always be with you. Now, I found a little poem about moms, and I thought it really kind of summed up what they're about, and I want to share it with you today. And even though I know you've probably already told mom you love her and that you thank her for everything she does, uh, I want you, when I'm finished, to take this cute little thank you card back to your mom and give it to her for Mother's Day. This is, poem is called Four Moms. Mom was there at the beginning when the world was new to you. Hmm, she was the first person there, okay? She is there to turn happy times, those when you are hurt or blue. She is there to listen to your thoughts and when you ask to give advice. She is there to tell you those don't match or, hun, you sure look nice. She is there with you at nighttime to help you say your prayers. She is there to tell you it's all right when you have a dream that scares. She is there at morning time to get you up and out of bed. She is there when you don't feel good to say you'd better stay home instead. She is there when you are hungry and when you have all those dirty clothes. She is always there when you need her how she knows that, only heaven knows. She was there at the beginning, and she'll be there your whole life through. She'll be there in your mind and heart, just like a mother's supposed to do. So we always have our mothers in our minds and our hearts. And I'd like for you, when you go back to your seat, to take this little card to your mom to say, thank you, I love you, and happy Mother's Day.
seated. Our scripture reading today is from John 15, verses 1 through 8. Hope you will read with us as we come to that point, as we listen to what God would have for us today. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. Let's pray. Lord, we, we know we need to be connected to you. And we pray that for those who've never done that, today can be that first step. Where they attach that self, their selves to the vine that you provide of life, of worth, of purpose. And Lord, if there are those even today that feel like they're being pruned in some way, Help us realize that that can be a way of growing to be more like you. While we may not see the end of those situations yet, we pray you'll give us the faith to remain true and to be excited about what you've got in mind. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand again.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful day, how it's so sunny and pretty for this Mother's Day, and that Jesus loved his mother just as much as we've loved our mothers and our grandmothers and our stepmothers and our mother-in-laws, and just watch over us today and the way we do our day, and watch us over this week. And you know, I pray. Amen.
That song says, forever God is faithful and forever God is strong. Uh, That is one of the ways in which the love of God is very much like the the love of a mother. Um, Because a mother's love is always faithful and a mother's love is always strong, like the love of God for us. Um, How many of you were born of a mother? If you were, please stand. And give honor to the mother who gave you birth. And join me as we pray together for our mothers. Oh God, we come to you with special gratitude today for our moms and those who have acted as our surrogate moms throughout our lives. We have so much love in our hearts for them and we owe them so much. You have indeed blessed us with mothers who have cared for us and taken care of us. Thank you. And thank you, O God, that our relationships with our mothers act as a reminder to us of our relationship with you, eternally connected and filled with love. Bless our mothers today on their special day. In Christ's name, amen. Now, some of you are sitting, but I want to ask those of you who are ladies in the church, if you would stand, if you are able, and we have some, uh, some folks over here that would like to present you with a special recognition, and as you stand, let the rest of us of the male gender give them honor and a round of applause. Stand, if you will. And if you would remain standing for just a moment, uh, these ladies would like to uh, honor you with a flower today.
Thank you so much, and blessings upon each of you. This is a special day for you, and I hope that it will be special to you. Now, before we uh, get into the sermon this morning, we have a, another special treat for you moms. Uh, it is a video, and, and I hope you won't mind. It's kind of a tearjerker, so, um, uh, you know, it's one of those things. So, um, Greg... Get up now, get up now, get up out of bed. Wash your face, brush teeth, call CP. Here's your clothes and your shoes. Hear the words I said. Get up now, get up and make your bed. Are you hot? Are you cold? Are you wearing that? Where's your books and your lunch and your homework? And grab your coat and your gloves and your scarf and hat. Don't forget, you gotta feed the cat. Each breakfast, the experts tell us it's the most important meal of all. Take vitamins so you will grow up one day to be big and tall. Please remember the orthodontist will be seeing you at three too big. Don't forget your piano lesson is this afternoon, so you must play. Don't shovel too slowly, but hurry. The bus is here. Be careful. Come back here. Did you wash behind your ears? Plants might definitely rough. Would you just play fair? Be polite. Make a friend. Don't forget to share. Work it out. Wait your turn. Never take a dead. Get along. Don't make me come down there. Clean your roof. Watch your clothes. Put your stuff away. Make your bed. Do it now. Do we have all day? Were you born in a barn? Would you like some hay? Can you eat? Can you hear a word I say? kind of get you right here, doesn't it? <laughs> Did you like that video? Have any of you moms ever felt like that before? I, I, I'm sure you have. Uh, most of that song was filled with phrases that moms all over the world say every day. 
Um, and, and I think it just epitomized uh, what, what mom, motherhood is all about, like I would know, but, uh, <laughs> but it was a wonderful song. Uh, let me ask you moms a question today. Do you ever feel like no one ever listens to you? Moms, yeah, I see, I see some heads nod, nodding up and down. Communication within a family is so vitally important, but it's also a difficult issue to tackle. So I ran across a list of suggestions for improving communications within the family that I thought you might enjoy today. Uh, number one, if you have small children who won't pay attention to you, all you have to do is place a long-distance telephone call to someone important and your toddlers will immediately climb up onto your lap and demand your undivided attention. Number two, if you have older children who avoid you like the plague, then buy yourself some expensive bath salts and run a hot tub and settle in. You will find that teenagers who you haven't talked to since their 10th birthday will bang on the door demanding your immediate attention. Number three, get a job in an office that discourages personal telephone calls and then your children will call you every hour on the hour. And number four, Send them away to college or let them move into an apartment and they can be counted on for long chats during which they will expound at length upon what wonderful parents you were and what happened because you certainly are spoiling their younger siblings. Well, communication within a family is a constant challenge. And sometimes our children pick up on messages that we never intended to send. For example, Chuck Swindoll tells about a great big Mother's Day card that looked like a, a third grader had printed it. And on the front of the card was the picture of a little boy with a dirty face and torn jeans, and he was pulling a, a wagon full of toys. And on the front of the card it read, Mom, I remember the little prayer you used to say for me every day. And then you open the card, on, and on the inside there was the prayer. God help you if you ever do that again. <laughs> One woman tells about a friend of hers who had, has three boys, and the youngest boy was just starting to school. And so a teacher commented to the boy that, that she couldn't believe that he was already in the first grade and asked what in the world his mother did all day now that all three of her children were in school, and the, and the boy answered, cartwheels. I see that some of you moms understand that. In our lesson for today, Jesus tells us, I am the true vine and you are the branches. And I cannot help but to think that this is a wonderful passage of scripture for Mother's Day. For you see, we are connected to Christ in much the same way that a mother is connected to her children. And probably the only kind of love that even comes close to the love of God is the love that a parent has for her child. An anonymous author describes feelings that most mothers will be able to, to understand. Her words say it better than I possibly could, so, so let me read her words to you this morning. We were sitting at lunch when, when my daughter casually mentioned that she and her husband are thinking of starting a family. 
We're taking a survey, she says half-jokingly. Do you think I should have a baby? It will change your life, I say carefully, keeping my tone neutral. I know, she says, no more sleeping in on weekends and no more spontaneous vacations, but that's not what I meant at all. I look at my daughter trying to decide what to tell her. I want her to know what she will never learn in childbirth classes. I want to tell her that the physical wounds of childbearing will heal, but that becoming a mother will leave her with an emotional wound so raw that she will always be vulnerable. I consider warning her that she will never again read a newspaper without asking, what if that had been my child? Every plane crash, every house fire will haunt her. That, that when she sees pictures of starving children, she will wonder if anything could be worse than watching your own child die. I look at her carefully manicured nails and stylish suit and, and think that, that no matter how sophisticated she is, becoming a mother will reduce her to the primitive level of a mother bear protecting her cub. That an urgent call of mom will cause her to drop a souffle or her best crystal without a moment's hesitation. I feel I should warn her that no matter how many years she has, has invested in her career, she will be professionally derailed by motherhood. She might arrange for childcare, but one day she will be going into an, an important business meeting and she will think of her sweet baby scent and, and she will have to use every ounce of discipline available to her to keep her from running home to make sure her baby is all right. I want my daughter to know that everyday decisions will no longer be routine, that a five-year-old boy's desire to go into the men's room rather than the women's room at McDonald's will become a major dilemma, that right there in the midst of the clattering trays and screaming children, Issues of independence and gender identity will be weighed against the prospect that a child molester may be lurking in the restroom. However decisive she may be at the office, she will always second-guess herself as a mother. Looking at my attractive daughter, I want to assure her that eventually she will shed the pounds of pregnancy, but she will never feel the same about herself, that her life now so important will be of less value to her once she has a child that she would give it up in a moment to save her offspring but will also begin to hope for more years not to accomplish her own dreams but to watch her child accomplish theirs my daughter's relationship with her husband will change but not in the way she thinks I wish she could understand how much more you can love a man who is careful to powder the baby or never hesitates to play with the child. I think she should know that she will fall in love with him again for reasons she would now find very unromantic. I wish my daughter could sense the bond she will feel with women throughout history who have tried to stop war, prejudice, and drunk driving. I hope she will understand why I can't think rationally, I can think rationally about most issues but become temporarily insane when I discuss the threat of nuclear war to my children's future. I want to describe to my daughter the exhilaration of seeing your child learn to ride a bike, 
I want to capture for her the belly laugh of a baby who is touching the soft fur of a dog or a cat for the very first time. I want her to taste the joy that is so real that it actually hurts. My daughter's quizzical look makes me realize that tears have formed in my eyes. You'll never regret it, I finally say. And then I reach across the table, squeeze my daughter's hand, and offer a silent prayer for her and for me and for all of the mere mortal women who stumble their way into this most wonderful of callings, this blessed gift from God called motherhood. Well, that about says it all, doesn't it? When you are a mother... You are forever connected with your offspring. So, says Christ, we are forever connected with him. The Apostle Paul expounded upon this connectedness in Romans 8 when he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers Uh, 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 neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. My friends, we are connected to Christ like a mother is connected to her child. Or in the words of our lesson for today, I am the vine and you are the branches. But there's something else that we need to see this morning. And that is that God uses hardship in our lives sometimes to make us stronger. Like a mother does for her children. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now this is a difficult passage. You can read it as a message of judgment if you want to, or you can read it as a message of love. Tough love, to be sure, but love nonetheless. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That's what he says. In the book, God's Little Devotional Book for Graduates, the author has an interesting uh, little story there about mother giraffes that might help us understand this. The first thing to emerge when a baby giraffe is born is its front hooves and head. Uh, And then minutes later, the newborn is hurled to the ground from the mother's body, about 10 feet off of the ground, and lands on its back. Within seconds, it rolls to an upright position with its legs tucked underneath its body. And from this position, it views the world for the very first time and shakes off any remaining birthing fluid The mother giraffe lovingly lowers her head just long enough to take a quick look at her calf, and then she does something that seems very unreasonable. She kicks her baby, sending it sprawling head over heels. And if it doesn't get up, she kicks it again and again until the calf finally stands up on its wobbly legs. And then what does the mother giraffe do? She kicks it off its feet. And why does she do that? Because she wants her baby to remember how it got up. 
For you see, in the wild, a baby giraffe must be able to get up as quickly as possible to stay with the herd and, and to avoid becoming a meal for lions or, or hyenas or leopards or wild dogs. And so the best way that a mother giraffe can ensure her calf will live is for her to teach it how to get up quickly and get with it. Kind of makes me glad I'm not a giraffe. But the author's point is that the mother giraffe is engaging in an act of tough love. There are certain demands that every parent must make for the welfare of his or her child. There are certain rules that must be enforced and no loving parent is going to accord a child absolute freedom because that kind of freedom can be deadly. And so every loving parent has to say no from time to time. It's not easy. And sometimes, yes, kids, sometimes it really does hurt the parent more than it does the child. But love sometimes says no. And then at other times, it may say, go. There comes a time when children must accept responsibility for their own actions and not depend upon their parents for everything. There's a term that has crept into our vocabulary of late, and it is the term helicopter parents. Have you heard that term before? Helicopter parents. The first time I heard this term was a couple of years ago when Molly went for or or orientation at Georgetown College. Uh, they also held an orientation for parents, and they urged us not to be helicopter parents who hover over their children and never allow them to learn that, that their actions have consequences. That's what a helicopter uh, parent is. Now, I, I can't say with absolute authority what Jesus meant when he said that God is the gardener who prunes the branches that are unfruitful. But this is what I know. We do live in a lawful universe. And if you drive your car off a cliff, then the law of gravity takes effect, and you can't expect God to reach out a hand and catch you in midair. God loves you. But, God, but actions have consequences. And there's also a moral law in the universe as well. And if you live a life of deceit and wrongdoing, then sooner or later it's going to catch up with you. And it's a lesson we never seem to learn. But, but here it is. God will forgive you of your sin. But God does not cancel out the rule of consequences. In fact, Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. And that may sound harsh, but folks, that's the way the world works. And it's my guess that God designed a world of consequences to help us to grow, to help us to mature, not only as physical beings, but also as emotional and spiritual beings. But whatever the reason, you can be sure that God's motive was love. And it is that same kind of love that motivates a good parent to make hard decisions. Now please do not misunderstand me here with what I'm talking about, what I'm saying. If you have an accident, even if you were at fault, that's not God's way of punishing you for something that you've done. God doesn't reach down and zap us for all of our sins. 
but neither does God repeal the laws of the universe. And we have to live with the, the cause and effect of our lives, whether that be for the good or for the bad. But here's the good news for us today, my friends. Here is the news for today that I hope that you will take with you for the rest of your life. And that is that even our worst actions cannot destroy the love of God for us. Even the very worst thing that we could do cannot destroy the love of God for us. That's what the cross is all about. We can take God's very own son and nail him to a tree and God still loves us. That's the meaning of grace. Because you see, the bond between ourselves and Christ can never be broken. Just like the bond between a mother and child. For he is the, the vine. And we are the branches. Psychiatrist Ross Campbell says that the most important question on a teenager's mind is this. Do you love me? In all kinds of ways, through his or her behavior, the, the teenager is asking, am I lovable? Am I worthy of being loved? Am I okay? Well, Jesus says to us that we never, never have to worry about that question with God. You are loved. That best-selling book from many years ago asserted that I'm okay, you're okay. But you know something? Sometimes we're not okay. Sometimes we're not okay. But here's the good news for you today. God still loves you. Even when you're not okay, you are still loved. For you see, God loves us unconditionally. And God sent God's Son to die on the cross for us. And that's what makes us worthy of salvation. And that's the good news for today. God's love for us is eternal. Like a mother's love for her child. He is the vine, and we are the branches. And so my challenge for you today is this. Stay connected to Christ and enjoy a love that is even greater than the love of a mother. Amen. We're going to sing our closing hymn, number 300, Without Him. I hope that none of us would have, would have to live our lives without Christ. I know that some of us have to live our lives without our mothers for one reason or another. But Christ tells us that he will be with us always, even until the end of the age. And that is a word of hope to each and every one of us. And so we do not have to live our lives without Christ and it is Christ's desire to be in fellowship with you always. Perhaps God has been dealing in your heart this morning. Perhaps the Spirit is tugging upon you and leading you to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. A commitment and a bond that is as strong as the bond between you and your, your mother, between you and your father. 
It is that kind of bond because that's the way God loves us. Eternally and forever strong. Perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church. Maybe you need to make that commitment to Christ today. We invite you to do that as we sing together at number 300 without him. Would you come? May we depart as God's faithful stewards, for the scripture says there is no limit to the blessings which God can send you. God will make sure that you will always have all you need for yourselves in every possible circumstance and still have something to spare for all sorts of good work. So go with the blessings of God and go with love for our mothers and all others. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Get up now, get up now, get up out of bed. Wash your face, brush teeth, curl, see, be hit. Here's your clothes and your shoes. Hear the words I said. Get up now. Get up and make your bed. Are you hot? Are you cold? Are you wearing that? Where's your books and your lunch and your homework? And grab your coat and your gloves and your scarf and hat. Don't forget, you gotta feed the cat. Get your breakfast. The experts tell us it's the mom.